You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. For the next several weeks, we are honored to be powered by the women winemakers of Banshee and Ferrari Corona Wineries as we take Served Up live to the Food Network New York City Wine and Food Festival. New York City Wine and Food is a star-studded four-day event showcasing the talents of world-renowned chefs, wine, and spirit experts, and a whole lot more. The Served Up team will be live in the middle of the NYC WFF action. Stay tuned for a look behind the scenes and in the moment via our Instagram Live at the New York City Wine and Food Festival. Click the link in our bio to learn more about the incredible wines of Banshee and Ferrari Carano led by Sarah Quiter, VP of Winemaking at Ferrari Carano and Foley Family Wines, and Alicia Sylvester, the winemaker at Banshee. Make sure to check out our NYCWFF coverage on our social channels and at southernglazers.com backslash served up podcast. Hey, y'all. Special guest host Kyle McHugh here with Bridget out on special assignment in Mexico and Julie hunkered down in Florida as Hurricane Ian made landfall this past week. I'm jumping in to lend a helping hand. I hope everybody who was affected by Ian in Florida, the Carolinas and beyond is safe and able to rebuild and regroup as quickly as possible. Back in February, I got a chance to sit down and catch up with my longtime friend, icon of the Las Vegas beverage community, and previous served-up guest, Bobby G. We talked about his exciting new program, The Bartender's Bourbon Brawl, that made stops around the U.S. this past summer, the evolution of day clubs in Las Vegas, old fashions, Bloody Marys, and our experiences at the inaugural Tag Global Spirits Awards, where we recorded this interview in February in Las Vegas. I am so excited to sit in for our esteemed host this week and welcome Bobby G back to Served Up. Don't worry, though. I promise Julie and Bridget will be back in their rightful seats in the weeks ahead. Until then, kick back, relax, mix yourself up an old-fashioned with your favorite whiskey of choice, and get inspired. Bobby G, welcome back to Served Up. It's great to see you again, man. Happy to be in person with you. Yeah, it's so great, isn't it? You know, the Zoom class was was really a great way of, of reaching out to the world and seeing people all and talking to people all over the world, but there's nothing like being in person and actually getting that feedback from people. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, as people who uh, you know grew up in an industry where you're getting that energy in the room and from other people... And, and, you know, Served Up started during the pandemic, so it was all virtual. So this is really uh, getting back to, I think, why the, the two of us got into hospitality in the first place as uh, people, people. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I often tell people, especially young bartenders, you know, I tell them, listen, if, if you haven't realized yet, you're in this business because you like to make people happy. And if you, you don't like that you need to go do something else yeah it's always so weird when you hear bartenders or any hospitality professional be like well i don't like people or like well then you you need to go sell shoes or something else there's a lot of angry uh, shoe salesmen out there maybe that's better for you because this (laughs) is about making people happy sure uh um so 
here we are. It's the COVID is still around, but we're in Las Vegas. Mask mandates have uh, have gone away here. One of the earlier spots, but they're they're set to go away. I think all over the U.S. here fairly soon, or most places. So, what's it like here in Vegas, and what's it like for you as you're getting back out on the road? Well, you know, at this time of year, you know, we're here at first uh, of March and end of February. You know, get into March. The pools are starting to open at the resorts. So I'm starting to do a lot of training at the pools. You know, we'll have different brands that are featured at different pools. So it's always fun for me to get in and, you know, see these young, excited kids ready to get out there. You know, they're all fired up at the beginning of pool season. And I don't, if they're new, they're, they don't know what they're in for. You know, it's amazing how that element of this society here in, in Las Vegas, you know, that element of hospitality, which now they call day clubs, mm. you know, used to, the pool was always an amenity when you went to a hotel, you know, what do they have? You know, well, well we got a pool, you can go lounge by the pool. Now every pool has, you know, there's you know DJs out there during the day. There's somebody sponsoring something, which, you know, as a, as a spirit sponsor, that's always a great way to get your product out to more people cabanas are big sales you know bottle sales at a pool and and i think at win you can order a bottle of vodka or something for ten thousand dollars they'll deliver it with a helicopter you know i mean really crazy stuff nice subtle things yeah yeah uh wow and so um as that's coming back i got to assume is you know people are coming to vegas for a very specific experience and everybody's coming off of these years of covid so I have to imagine that not only is pool season normally pre-COVID like a crazy bit of business, but people who've been cooped up, who are coming to Vegas maybe for the first time in several years and just getting out on the road for the first time. I mean, it's going to be an epic season like nobody's seen before, I would guess. I believe it. You know, we look at the numbers. I mean, during COVID, sales of spirits went up. It was it was amazing, and then even the while sales spirit sales are going up, we're we're still missing that on premise number. It, right. it was still hugely impacted, and now being able to get back out, you know, last week we did um, the Arizona Cocktail Week was back again for its tenth year, and it was it's just so much fun to you know do those events. You know, we I was able to be at a launch party for we were launching Legion. And, you know, we, we had some, some issues getting all of our product there. So guys were scrambling, you know, local guys who had their private bottles, we were taking them to use for that event and supply chain, right? Sure. It's all supply chain. And, uh, so we pivoted and we also, uh, debuted Basil Hayden Toast in Phoenix at the cocktail week there. So it was fun. Uh, there's an event called Cocktail Carnival which it's done in this really cool environment where they, they have this, these guys that do events like Burning Man and, and other events like that. They have these weird cars that they build out of things. And uh, so we, we were positioned on uh, this bus named Walter, hmm. and it's a, it was a two-story bus. And um, our Maker's Mark guys, they went and set up a – it was like a 12-foot tall plinkle board. Oh, wow. And so people were bouncing that down. I was presenting. I was making some 
Basil Hayden cocktails, and uh, we were making old fashions. We were calling it the uh, Maker's Mark Cotton Candy Old Fashioned. So, you know, we're at a carnival. You want to put a little fun carnival theme in there. So we're making cotton candy, and I would stir makers with bitters and then pour it over the top of the cotton candy as my sugar element. Mm, Sure. And then, you know, garnish that with an orange peel. So making the old-fashioned, but instead of using simple syrup, I was using cotton candy, and, you know, just pour the spirit over it, it kind of dissolves in, and it it was a real visual, fun thing to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And so out on the road for Arizona Cocktail Week, for instance, like what else are you seeing your travel schedule go back to normal pre-COVID type? It's not quite normal yet, but I am getting a lot of calls. Uh, I'm very, very happy to be going to New Orleans for Bourbon Festival, which I believe was one of the premier bourbon festivals in the country. And, and, and you know your, your history with whiskeys and those festivals that we used to all be at and we'd work all day and just it was so much fun at the end for us to get together and just just sit down and just relax yeah right you know but this uh and drink and drink bourbon ourselves after sure, talking sure. about it all day. we'd all what kind of whiskey are you pouring hey try this hey try this and it was that was the only way that i would get to experience new whiskeys on the market you know so and and i think that's important in our role is is to be able to, you know, you want to be able to talk about what the other yeah, suppliers are doing, you know, because, hey, what's happening in the bourbon world right now? Well, here's what's happening in ours. Here's what they are doing. And, you know, you're just seeing that bourbon just growing and growing and growing. So one of, one of the things that I do there, I call it the Bartender's Bourbon Brawl. And it's a cocktail competition that I put together. And I will be very forthright in telling you that the inspiration came from Arizona Cocktail Week, where they had a cocktail competition called The Last Slinger Standing. It was part of a USBG thing, and it was a bracketed thing where bartenders didn't know what they were going to be given. They were given a spirit and a modifier, and they were given five minutes, make a cocktail go. Uh, My competition is designed similarly to that in that it's bracketed so we gather eight bartenders from the area for bourbon festival we've been bringing them in from florida georgia alabama mississippi arkansas and texas everyone wants to come in and be a part of it now so the new orleans well rough life right sure Uh, you know yeah and everyone asks you know and i know you you've competed yourself in usbg things so when we did that, we wanted to know, what are the rules? You know, I need to break down the rules. What can I do? What can I do? Well, for this, you show up. I just want you to show up. And they're like, well, what do I need to bring? I said, you need to bring you. So what we do is we set up two identical wells. And uh, I'm using Tony's modern mixologist tools. Nice. So we have that. And then, you know, I add all the other little things that we use as bartenders. So I try to put everything you could possibly imagine in on each well, so they're the same. And then we build up a giant produce section. And then we have our modifier. We have a modifier section, you know, all of our maros, vermouths, and any other kind of, you know, modifiers that we can think of, a bunch of different bidders. And the bartenders are going to draw numbers, and they will be bracketed. And we have three judges that we generally, we find, you know, a local celebrity and that we want to find a local chef 
because the chefs have such a great palate, you know, and then we want somebody in the industry that's well known in the industry. So we can say, yeah, well, that guy knows cocktails. That's why he's here. Or, you know, and then we'll have, you know, that lady, she knows cocktails. That's why she's here. Yeah. Not because she's pretty, but she knows cocktails and she knows what's good and bad. So we'll put them behind the bar and we'll give them a challenge. So all the bartenders are always asking me, what's the challenge? And I said, I don't know. The challenge is get, getting there and hearing what the challenge is. <laughs> they the they go, what do you mean you don't know? I said, it's whatever strikes my fancy at the time. They go, are you kidding me? I said, no. And, you know, like I'll walk up and I'll say, uh, you know, I haven't had a cocktail yet today. That's a beautiful, sunshiny day. I want to go sit by the pool. Why don't you make me a cocktail I can enjoy by the pool with Jim Beam White Label? They go, and that's it? Go, that's it. Go. And so that they, the bartenders that do it find it, they love that challenge. Because as bartenders, when we work behind the bar, you would get that challenge all the time. That's every guest order potentially that comes through of I feel like this or what should I have? I mean, versus it's so funny how cocktail competition bartenders, if, you're, you know, if you've done it, to your point, you're worried about the rules, you're worried about prepping, what should you bring? And it's, it's become so often not the opposite, but such a different or specific type of bartending that is completely removed from standard hospitality guest care, which is I'm in this mood or I don't know what to try or maybe something with this base spirit, which is exactly what it sounds like you've set up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it challenges you as a bartender to you got to know your skills. You got to know your classics because, I mean, realistically, I, I believe this, you know, and, and, you know, Lee Violaro and Armando Rosario wrote a book called 12 Cocktails. You know, I, I believe mo everything is there and they're just variations of that, you know, so make me something and I'll have challenges like, you know, make me something with some sour. Make, and they're, the bartenders are so worried that the challenge is, is just so overwhelming. And then when they see it, they're like, this is great. This is so much fun. And we've had bartenders that are now really want to get involved. Uh, so Tracy, Napa, not, I can't pronounce his whole name, Napa, <laughs> and he's probably going to kill me with this, Napa Latano, I believe it is. Uh, so Tracy, who owns uh, the New Orleans Bourbon Festival, I hope I said that right, because I know there's trademark. You can't say Bourbon Fest because that right. trademark thing. Same I believe thing. it is the New Orleans Bourbon Festival, and uh, he's taking it on the road. And we just had a conversation. And he said, "You know, we're going to be in four different states next year doing oh, wow. this." He goes, "Would you like to be involved?" I said, "Tracy, I would love to take my bartender's bourbon brawl on the road, and we take two winners from each stop." and do the finals in oh, New Orleans. That'd be fun. He said, this is brilliant. He just loves it. And I truly believe that if, if this is fleshed out properly and built properly, it could be a TV show. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's so I mean, fun and engaging to watch that. Look how popular Chopped is. Yeah. And this is, in all intents and purposes, a Chopped style. Yeah. You know, you're going to be given a, a different bourbon in each round. And, you know, fortunately for me, we have all those bourbons between our, our Jim Beam families, our small batch collection, 
you know, and the Maker's Mark family, you know, all those bourbons that are there. Old Granddad, the Old Crow. Weeded High Rye. You've got a nice of range of the bourbon category. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and so these people, are, and with the three judges, the three judges, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell all the bartenders, you know, you're going to make, we want them to make four drinks. If they make three, we kind of, you know, we kind of let them slide. But generally, we want to make four drinks so we can take a photo of the drink, you know, and they can, you know, show off their drink. And I said, you got to name the drink, and then you got to tell us why you did what you did. So there's always that, that level of inspiration behind it, you know. And they just, some of them look at me and go, well, I don't get it. I go, make up a story, something. Remember, you are not, once you've finished your drink, now you're selling that drink to those judges. You've got to make them want to drink that drink. And so when the judges go, I always ask the judges. And when I judge a cocktail competition, I always want to give positive feedback, suggestive feedback. I, I don't never want to say negative feedback, yeah, but constructive. suggestive. You know, constructive is a great word for it. And then end up on something positive again. So give them three levels of... San- sandwich theory. Good managerial uh, sandwich theory feedback. <laughs> And so I asked the judges to do that. And then I say, okay, judges, have you made your decision? And they're like, yes. And then at a count of one, two, three, they raise the glass that they like the best. Three judges can't be a tie. Sure. So someone's going to move on. And so the first round is, you know, we have four head to head. The second round, eight, now eight bartenders have been down to four. Four will become two. And then the two will battle for the championship. And for New Orleans, uh, Tracy has uh, a local artist that builds a very unique trophy. So it's a very unique trophy that they get. And then uh, the winner receives uh, some other prizes there that, they, that the Bourbon, New Orleans Bourbon Festival sponsors. I mean, outside of Kentucky, what better place to hey, have a bourbon festival, but then also to have this fun new program. And, and, and as Tracy expands it, it sounds like then to have it be kind of the, the end-all be-all of the circuit too, sure. right? The finals. I've done these in New Jersey. I've uh, done one in Florida. Uh, being asked to do one this summer in Alaska. Oh, wow. Yeah, I get a great trip up to Salmon Falls uh, Resort in Ketchikan, Alaska get to work with, you know, and, and talk to and, you know, do a seminar for all the bartenders on the island. Catch Can's an island. Yeah. Uh, it's a very popular cruise ship stop up there and a lot of great history. And, and it, it's, it's fun to see the excitement of bartenders across the country. We're working on possibly doing something in Hawaii like this. And, and for me, it, it's great as not only an educational piece to talk to bartenders about our brands, talk to consumers about our brands, but get people excited about it, you know, and, and that's the thing. And, and have some fun with it. So it's so interesting how often people take stuff so seriously. And like you were saying with the making the old fashioned with, uh, with the cotton candy is a perfect example to me of you can make a great balanced drink with that as your sugar balance to your acid. Uh, easily and have fun with it and not take yourself so seriously while still making a drink with the highest level of integrity 
why can't an educational platform also be entertaining? They do not have to be mutually exclusive, right? Right. I, I love it. And, and I've also designed uh, one of my, my favorite ways of, of talking with consumers and bartenders as well. I, I created a program that I called the Great Blank Cocktail Seminar. So I've, I've started with the Great Whiskey Cocktail Seminar which allows me to talk about, you know, our different brands and showcasing those different mash bills, you know, the traditional mash bill, high rye and the weeded mash bill, and then also use some of our extra aging with our Knob Creek, you know, to showcase what extra time in a barrel is. And then we have rye whiskey and actually compare the two together. And I just did one for, you know, Arizona Cocktail Week and we started out, everyone came in, and I gave everybody a Bloody Mary because we it was Sunday at noon. And so we all had a Bloody Mary, and everyone was remarking about how, oh, man, this is really good. And, and I went through the history of the Bloody Mary and telling about Henry Petois and how it came to the U.S., and it's tied to Chicago yeah. at the Pump Room East with the celery becoming the garnish. And, uh, and I said, you know, one of the things that I always... When I talk to bartenders and I go in and I say, you know, Bloody Marys are like backyard barbecues. We all have one and we all think ours is the best. And that's how you should feel about your Bloody Mary. And I said, this is one of, one of the versions that I did. And, and I would like you all to know that this is made with Basil Hayden. And they're like, is that why this is so good? I said, well, I hope so. <laughs> it's one of my theories. But we ended up, you know, we taste the Bloody Mary, we taste through the different mash bills, and at the end, I deconstructed an old-fashioned. So everyone was able to, here is a little glass with bitters in it. I want you to smell that and see what that does. Now taste the whiskey, add the bitters, and see how that affects the taste. Now, now pour it over the ice, you know, give it your stir and add your citrus. And your sweetener, uh, I really like, you know, you know, I come from old school, you know, I'm a muddler. Me mother was a muddler. I come from a long line of His muddlers. Mother was a mother. You know? His father was a mother. <laughs> so, uh, but today it's more common to find the old fashioned, the stirred style. Yeah. yeah. And as a deconstructed, it's much easier to do that. And for, for my simple syrup, I use the sugar and the raw. I like that little extra caramel notes that it brings when you're using that, especially with bourbon. You know, it's just, it's a great match. Which is in reality, probably what that first old fashioned really looked like too, right? When that was kind of coming off of the cobbler days when the rebellion against the, the, the Wisconsin, nothing against Wisconsin, my good friends in Wisconsin, <laughs> but that idea, the garden uh, and the Bloody Mary of Wisconsin, sure. where you in the sherry cobblers where you had the mint and the powdered sugar and all the different fruits. And I was like, no, I just want an old-fashioned cocktail, which was a lot of spirit, probably rye whiskey at the time, right? And then a little bit of something else to make it a cocktail, that bitter element and, and again, a touch of sweetener. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've, I've always been of the school that the old-fashioned is a bourbon drink. Mm -hmm. And I often say when I do my great whiskey cocktails that when we say highball, we say it's a whiskey cocktail. We don't know. Was it started with bourbon, would start with rye, would start with Irish whiskey, Scotch whiskey, cognac, Armagnac, yeah. And you know the same with the julep and the Manhattan. You know the Manhattan is a great historical story to talk about. 
But I'm a I'm in the school of belief that the old fashioned was created at the Pendennis Club, and that you know there it was featured for a local distiller who made bourbon whiskey, and so I'm in the I'm in that That's a family point. that it was yeah. originally made with bourbon. Now, does rye whiskey make a bad old fashioned? Absolutely not. You know, not, not the good rye whiskey it doesn't. It makes you know, a damn damn fine one. Yeah, and yeah. So, you know, I I truly believe that Knob uh, Creek is just one of the iconic whiskeys for an old fashioned. You know, that hundred proof really stands up. Those the beautiful sweet notes that you get out of the bourbon. But uh, you know, during the Tag Spirit Awards and going through the platinum judging. I'd made this statement sitting there. I'm going, I think I'm surprising myself right here. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, in this flight, uh, I prefer the, the rye whiskeys. You know, they're going great. So, I, you know, I mean, I was finding, wow, am I a rye whiskey guy? Because the rye whiskeys that were entered into this competition were amazing. But I got to tell you, and, and I know you're a whiskey guy, and you know all the categories. The one that surprised me the most, and I think Francesco LaFranconi made the statement that this competition may put this category on the map. Oh. The American single malt whiskeys were amazing That's in this great competition. It's exciting. Yeah. That category, you know, and there's been an association that's formed years ago, but there's like six distilleries. I know a few spirits who I've worked with for a long time uh, was one of those those founding members of the association promoting this whole new category, which is not a new category for the world, but the the idea of an American single malt doing it and the variety that can come through. But it's always been a question, minus some of those early players like Westland has been famously wonderful for years. And and some of those those earliest adopters, it's wonderful to hear the caliber of judges that are at the TAG Awards feeling that way, seeing everything side-by-side side blind. That's really great to hear. It was it's really cool. Uh, there was also some, some really nice mezcal that was there. And mezcal is a very polarizing type of character of... Um, you know, spirit, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. They go, I can't believe you would drink that. And, you know, there's, there's a big surge in mezcals in the market today. I think that's because there's more producers being able to get their product into the U.S. Right. You know, we are fortunate at Beam. We have Brujo that has, you know, six different expressions and they're amazing. And for me, I, I know that it wasn't in this competition, but the, the Brujo Tobola is just, I mean, it, it, it's spectacular spirit. And uh, I know you know Ron Cooper. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had an experience at an Arizona cocktail week uh, very early on. It's probably one of the first or, first or second one. Uh, end of the night, you know, we're, everybody was done and we're sitting around a little fire pit out at the Valley Ho. In, in Scottsdale, and we're sipping on a Del Maguey Tobola and Steve Olson. Little plastic bottle you know, out of Steve's pocket. And we're, we're sitting around this fireplace, and, and Ron, and I'm, look, I'm tasting it, and the stars are out. It's just 
beautiful. I'm like, man, this is good. And and Ron Cooper just goes, it's magical, man. <laughs> and I was like, it is, Ron. It truly, truly is. Uh, that's that's a polarizing category coming up. Uh, actually, in in the competition, the uh, the rums that were there showed really well. And it was really really fun to go through and and taste all of that and. And for those of the people that are out there listening, they think, oh, well, you spirits competition. What a great job you got. It's very hard. It, yeah. it, it truly is. And, and for me, it was such an honor to be asked to be a judge. You know, at, they asked me to come on and, and be a judge. And, and the caliber, like you said, the caliber of people that were here and I being able to watch them and learn from them and, is, is truly amazing. And it, it helped me think about ways that I want to go out and teach spirits again. You know, it's what's been fun being here at this first Take Spirits Awards and, and you know, being a part of it uh, from an observer's view, in my case, this particular year. And But being around our friends who are judges and meeting some new friends who are judges too that I've read about and and, and uh, seen on other platforms, uh, but to be you know, in the same rooms with them the last few days, I got to say, it's also just so refreshing, not only the accomplishments of the people who are here over their careers and everything that they've been able to bring to the industry, because um, it's a very selfless crew, but that hospi- the sense of hospitality that's around here too. I, you're around, again, some of the biggest names in the industry and definitely some of the people I consider mentors and in, inspirations to pursue a career in this business now 20-something years later. And you just couldn't meet a more warm, welcoming, egoless group of people. It is stunning. Yes. It's been so powerful. I mean, th- these men and women came from all over the globe, literally. I mean, they, you know, I get to see, you know, Dre Masso from London and Angus Winchester, who is just the, in, the iconic gin man, isn't he? I mean, you yeah. just look at him, but he knows so much more than that, you know, is, but, you know, and I was able to sit on the panel for the three days with Charlotte Voise, who I just admire in the cinders. She's one of my favorite people, you know, in the industry. And uh, Michael Feel was our, uh, our file. It's, it's Michael File is how it's pronounced. I, I had to ask him, you know, because it's spelled F-E-I-L. And I'm yep. like, how, how do you pronounce this one? And um, so, and man, what a pleasure to sit with him and, and hear his take and the things that he looks for. And Having judged for 25 years, I think he told me, yeah, he's just been doing it a long time and has those things in his mind. It's funny, too, you mentioned Angus is known, really, I met him uh, as the global Tanqueray ambassador, but of course, he's been so many things in his career. He's a consummate mm-hmm. barman. Uh, Charlotte, I met her working Hendrix Gin, now, of course, does a lot with their uh, the, the William Grant portfolio, amazing whiskeys, um, some liqueurs in there, an amazing tequila. But uh, so everybody has a strength or two, but then they're also versatile, right? Yes. And then I think, you know, for me, it it just, it helps me grow. It, it, it helps me look to how I want to teach people. And it's still, you know, we had a couple of of young people that were helping as volunteers and you could see how eager they were to, to want to learn. 
and, and and that's just so much fun and to be able to you know put my name up there with them and you know how uh, Julio Bermejo he, he he loves to present gifts to people and his engraving and bottles and he asked me at the opening night he goes he said he goes Bobby can you read this for me and I looked at him I go Julio I can read, you know that. You know I can read, right? <laughs> he just, I, I don't know if he, if he understood the joke I was trying to make with him, but uh, yeah, I got to, to, you know, read that out to the crowd, and, you know, he put every judge's name on that bottle, you know, congratulations, tag awards for the very first event, and on the bottom of it said, now go make history. And I'm hoping, I really, truly hope that this becomes a historical event and and it grows and grows i mean every year it's going to get bigger and bigger and 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 hopefully tony's heart can take this stress because ideally boy, yeah he put everything he had into this thing and and god bless him you know and you know tony we all love tony uh we're gonna have to bring some extra pocket squares for tony tonight because you know Oh, he's going to be an emotional wreck in all of the best ways. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm, I'm so looking forward to be there and be a part of that. I mean, what a home run it's been. And anybody who's ever produced an event, you are, you've been making events happen for, you know, again, uh, your whole career. Um, and as a, somebody uh, who calls themselves an event producer almost first and foremost, going back to my hospitality roots of wanting things to run smoothly and people to feel welcome and have a good time, seeing not just an awards competition, but a consumer event, a trade event, and an awards competition all at the same time, and having it work in year one during COVID as flawlessly, at, I'm sure the back of the house, we all know back of the house always looks a little bit different, but if there was a lot of stress in the back of the house, I didn't feel it out front. And all I saw was volunteers who were working hard and hustling and smiling. Yeah. And there was just a sense of peace and calm in year one with all of these things going on that was just really special to behold. Sure. And my flights that I went through, we questioned a few of the products that were on there. And they, you know, we would make the, the room monitors would go back and check and come back and say, no, that, that, that is correct. You know, of like the category that it was yeah, entered it was like, in. Like, you yeah. know, it, sure it says here that this is a 120, it says 60 ABV. You know, we made them go back and say, is it 60 proof or is it 60 ABV? You know, yeah. and yeah. they came back and said, no, it's 60 ABV. And we're like, wow. It, Something drinking that smooth yeah, at 120. Sure. And uh, I was fortunate to... Uh, <laughs> draw the straw on my tasting mat of the overproof rum category. Oh, wow. Well, I'm happy you're still standing. Uh, <laughs> that can be quite a uh, chore and a judging. It is. Uh, it's, you know, but you have to, every spirit that you look at, you know, you got to think about how am I going to judge this? You know, what should the benchmark of this category be like? And then you go through and you use your, your, the things you've learned, you know, yeah. that's, that's why we're here, you know, learning things and, and being able to put our, you know, we've been labeled experts in our industry. And so we, we want to bring that and share that with the public. And, and I, I have judged other spirits competitions where 
I said, I, I don't know what these people were thinking when they made this, you know, but every, you have to judge every sample that's in front of you because someone put their heart and soul behind that. That's you right. Know? And they deserve the respect of you to, you know, to look at it. And you, some of them you would like to go, um, you know, what was your thought process? What are you looking for? Here are some suggestions I have for you, maybe. And I know there was was one sample in the Amaro category that I tasted. I think I know what a couple of them were because they were, you know, iconic of the category. I knew, I think I knew exactly what they were. I knew the brand and everything. Sure. But there was, uh, there was one Amaro that I tasted that was just delicious. And I want to know what it is because I want to put it in a cocktail. Right. Want, yeah. You know. And I think that's the exciting thing that um, that those out there who are making spirits and again putting their kind of life's work, their heart and soul into making a spirit, to know about these competitions is part of it is not just the stars or the awards or the medals that you're going you may get from it, but the fact that this room of judges again, I mean, 21 judges I think are here from all over the world and some of uh, many of the biggest names in our business, and the fact that they're sitting in a room with each other potentially saying this is so incredible and i'm going to go uh, for nothing on my end but just because i respected it so much i'm going to go talk about it i'm going to go put it into a drink i'm going to go tell people they should be trying it that's that is something that uh is worth even more than the price of admission to a competition like this and i hope they get bigger i i just hope i would like to see in the industry um, less competitions with better judges. Mm, yeah. There's so many competitions these days, and, sure. and it's the, the, the lack of transparency right. about what's going on behind the scenes, let alone who's judging and what's the, you know, what's the, the judging uh, strata so that you know if each of the spirits are getting their due time to be considered or not. Yeah, it's... It's interesting, and you see, uh, not to throw any, any specific brand out there, but like, well, winning copious awards is great, but are they the right awards? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, is it a room with the kind of talent that's here at the TAG Global Spirit Awards? Yeah. Because there's very few of those. Sure. And I think this is one, is a great way to start yeah. uh, first year, and it could only get better and better. I am so happy to be here uh, to see it and to be a part of it and and to be able to share the experience with you because what I look forward to, as we often do when we do get the chance to get together and tell some more stories, is we're going to be, you know, 20 years down the line in our careers again and having a a delicious drink somewhere in the world and saying, remember when we were there at the first one with, you know, insert our names of our friends and colleagues who are here. And um, it's going to be, I think, a highlight. of of my career to be able to say I was here with this crew of people and um and to see that first one and then not only that but to see it grow right to see the hard work of David Julio and Tony and everybody who brought this thing to life their whole team behind the scenes all of the judges who took time out of their crazy schedules to fly to Vegas be here for a few days um and and make this feel this way and to have the integrity and the fun that it's bringing um it's going to be really great to see that grow fantastic you know I really enjoyed spending time with you this week. And we have one more event tonight, you know, the Pink Tide Gala, you know, in, in honor of the Helen David fun as well. And so I'm looking forward to sharing a cocktail with you tonight. 
that we're going to get our fancy duds on and uh, look again uh, for two years. We've been on Zooms, maybe wearing pants, maybe not. <laughs> now we're going to put on the, our formal wear. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Nobody has to know. There's no evidence. The cameras don't pan down. Um, but tonight, everybody gets to look really sharp and get together. And again, it's going to, I think, be a milestone after some very hard years, again, to be in that same room and share those drinks and, and look sharp doing it. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for letting me share some thoughts with you. And, you know, as, as, as you know, with, uh, with our brands, uh, we always are when people are out drinking, you know, always drink smart. I always, always want to make that message as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an important one to share. Well, Bobby, I got to tell you. Anytime I'm in Vegas, I love catching up with you. First time that Served Up's ever been able to be on the road. First time I've ever gotten to be on this side of the camera, helping out Bridget and Julie. Camera, whatever we're doing, the microphone, <laughs> helping out Bridget and Julie as part of uh, this Patches project that they started during COVID. And I got to tell you, I'll use Bridget's line here. Uh, I, I wish you on behalf of the Served Up family, which you have been an important part of and continue to be. And we w and, uh, can't wait to check in with you again, but I want to wish you great health and a whole lot of peace. Thank you, sir. Thank you, brother. Good to see you. Cheers. Hey, Served Up friends, Julie here. I am thrilled to tell you about the 15th annual Food Network New York City Wine and Food Festival taking place soon, October 13th through the 16th for its 15th year. Food Network personalities and more than 400 chefs mixologists, and wine and spirit producers will come together to create an unforgettable Epicurean experience comprised of tastings, dinners, parties, brunches, lunches, masterclasses, and more. 100% of the net proceeds from New York City Wine and Food Festival go to God's Love We Deliver. God's Love We Deliver is New York City's leading provider of medically tailored meals and nutrition counseling for individuals living with severe illnesses. To date, New York City Wine and Food Festival has raised more than $14 million for its charitable causes. The festival provides a platform for the charity, which has a presence at events through activations and speaking opportunities that help strengthen existing relationships in the food, beverage, and hospitality industry, and also create new ones from on-site interactions. We are so excited to share that the Served Up crew will also be on the ground, bringing you the behind-the-scenes action at the festival. We hope you join us to eat, drink, and feed New York City by purchasing tickets on sale now at www.nycwff.org. And don't forget to follow at Served Up Podcast on all your favorite platforms. And if you're a long-term listener, please leave a review. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!